Welcome to Climify, the podcast that connects climate scientists and design educators together so that we can help combat our climate crisis in our classrooms. The discussions on this program are geared to help you climify your syllabi to assign projects that not only teach design fundamentals, but also can have a positive impact on our climate. This episode is brought to you by Renourish. Renourish is your one-stop online resource for sustainable design and systems thinking strategies and tools for the graphic designer. You can learn more about Renourish on their website at re-nourish.org, or you can follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Renourish. Welcome to another episode of Climify. I'm Eric Benson, your host this season, as we explore why climate action is lacking in design education and what we can do to help change that. I talk with climate experts from all over the world to help us design educators fight the climate crisis in our classrooms. We could, with a little extra help, graduate a new generation of climate designers who can help make the world a better place for all of us. Sounds crazy, right? How could good typography on a poster or choice of hemp fabric on a shoe make any impact on our climate? The European Commission found that 80% of all the environmental impact happens in the design stage of a project. Furthermore, manufacturing of what we make is the third largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. Our abilities to educate about these issues, strategize more responsible outcomes, and influence climate action is vital for the future of our planet. And it all starts in the classroom. I'm also a design educator. I've been teaching and researching sustainable design for 15 years here at the University of Illinois. I quit my corporate career in 2004 to dedicate the rest of my life to solving our climate crisis. So thanks for joining me on this journey to graduate a new generation of climate designers. You can get involved beyond this program at climatedesigners.org edu. On this episode, I'm talking with Roz Godelnik. Roz is an assistant professor of strategic design and management at Parsons School of Design, the new school in New York where he explores sustainable business models and how companies can respond effectively to the climate crisis. Currently, he also serves as an associate director for the BBA Strategic Design and Management Program. His new book, Rethinking Corporate Sustainability in the Era of Climate Crisis, a Strategic Design Approach, has just been published by Pelgrave Macmillan. All right, Roz, it's, it's wonderful to meet you. Uh, we've, we've had a prior conversation, so it's not the first time that we've talked, but I'm glad that you're back and excited to, to hear what you have to say today. I want to get started, though, with some basic background about who you are. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, what you do. Thank you uh, so much, Eric. I'm very happy to be here. A big fan of the podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm an assistant professor of strategic design and management at uh, Parsons School of Design, which is part of the new school in New York. I've uh, been part of Parsons for the last uh, seven or eight years. Mm. Overall, my, my work is mainly within, I mean, my corner, as I call it, within Parsons is really the, uh, the field of strategic design and management. And right now, I'm also the associate director of the BBA program in strategic design and management. So uh, it's just for, for the introductory level. Uh, that's what I do. I've had a couple of actual listeners ask me to dive deeper into some of the terms we use on this show. So I'm interested to know about strategic design and how you would define that. I have my own definition of it, but I don't know if I'm way off base here or, or what. So can you give me more like how you would define strategic design? Yeah. Um, maybe I, I, maybe I'll use a metaphor to uh, help sure. explain it. And, and that <laughs> is uh, actually one that, is, is uh, been created by Dan Hill. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to steal, him, steal it from him. And basically 
what then suggests is that strategic design is somewhat similar to dark matter, right? Uh-huh. So we have matter and we have dark matter. And uh, as you know, designers, we, we usually look at the, the matter and the matter itself could be um, a product or service or any type of, of solution that we create, that we design. Strategic design or strategic designers look at the, the dark matter. This is the, the, uh, the, the part that uh, is invisible, right? But dark matter is still, uh, it's 83% of the in total, right? And, and it's very critical to the creation of the matter. So what we are looking at is not just at, you know, that final delivery, right? But also we look at the everything that unseen, but nevertheless is critical for its creation. So it could be about organizational culture. It could be about uh, social norms, about regulatory uh, environment. Uh, it could be about a different number of elements that are uh, really critical in informing eventually, right, the creation, right, of, of the final uh, product or service or whatever we're looking at. So, so that type of holistic approach is, I think, what we are trying to bring to everything that we do. And overall, for us, really, the, 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 the focus is really, I mean, we're, we consider ourselves to be, you know, industry agnostic. So our uh, alumni could be found in uh, almost every industry, also working in NGOs and so forth. But they have this very, the, the, I think one thing that is common to all of them, right? The idea of really bringing the, the, the strategic design into the work is really that type of holistic and uh, systemic uh, approach that is really looking not just at, you know, at, at the, the level of, you know, what, what, what you see in front of you, but really digs uh, very deep all the way to, to if we think in terms of the, the iceberg model, or I'm using another metaphor, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to think about, you know, mental models. So yeah. this is, uh, hopefully that helps just to, to, to give a vision of, you know, uh, what, how we uh, approach uh, strategic uh, design. Yeah, I like the dark matter metaphor. I love any science metaphor that <laughs> we can use. And because for this show, we're, we're looking at bringing climate science into the, the classroom. So I'm also uh, thinking about what you said, and it reminds me a lot about how people define systems thinking, right? That there are some of these unseen connections that you have to, you have to reveal for, you know, I guess in your case to get to that right strategy. And it makes sense that your alumni are, are all over the place because everyone needs strategy. Everyone needs to figure this, figure this out, no matter what, what field they're in. What's been the most exciting part about doing that work for you? Well, for me, I think uh, one thing it's the, you know, uh, the engagement with the students. We have uh, super smart students coming really from different uh, backgrounds. And I, I think for, for me, it's really about it. it it brings, you know, uh, some of the um, some of the, the key challenges, right? That that we that that we're looking at, and 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 in a way, it also challenges me to think in, in new ways about these issues, right? So it's about, uh, for example, um, you know, we're in New York City, but our students are coming from all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. So it's thinking, you know, it's always reminding. I mean, being with students from all over the world, right? Uh, both from, you know, the global north and the global south, you know, it, it keeps reminding me and pushes me to, to think at that global level, right? It's not just, you know, how about, you know, we, we think about uh, what do we do to, um, you know, to improve whatever we try to look at uh, in, in New York or in the US, but really how do we think of it from, a more global uh, perspective. So that, that's for me one one thing. And, and the other thing is really also, I mean, we, we have students that are not afraid of asking difficult questions. And I think that's always <laughs> great when, when it comes really to push the envelope, to, to make sure that, you know, you're 
you keep thinking about how can how can I in my own work right how can I approach things differently how can I, I think about them in, in in different ways use different lenses and so forth yeah I remember when I was in graduate school that was that was the the, the one of the main things that the faculty wanted me to do is keep asking us questions you know to ask tough questions and towards when I was graduating I said I'm gonna you know my research was all into sustainability and I said I'm gonna bring this back to corporate corporate America where I came from that's where my background was and I remember my first job interview I was still in grad school and I asked like three or four questions after they asked me the first question and the person obviously didn't look at my resume before I applied but he said you you have a graduate degree right you ask too many questions <laughs> and that's when I realized maybe maybe I need to find another avenue for my my future here if, if I'm going to get in trouble at, at my job for asking questions that's not a that's not a good thing <laughs> no you're right and and I mean in a sense right one thing that I always tell the students is that from my perspective you know design and, and strategic design in, in particular it's about you know how do we ask better questions Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if we could necessarily think about right questions, but how do we ask better mm -hmm. questions? And this is also what I try to do with, you know, my own work again, uh, which is very much uh, looking at, at sustainability, especially in, in the context of, of business. Well, let's talk about your own work. Let's talk about sustainability. Let's talk about design and business. How did you get into that? Uh, a lot of people I talk with have... That, that are working in that field, including myself, something triggers them. They, they read something, they watch something, they see something. What, what brought you into this, this world of sustainability? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, well, I, I don't have really a great story. I didn't have any aha moment, but I mean, uh, I, I was, <laughs> Every you know, story is worthwhile though, right? Yeah, I hope so. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, from my, the, you know, my journey, it was more structured as a more traditional business journey. Mm -hmm. I studied economics and communications uh, in my undergraduate studies and then uh, and moved to MBA studies. And overall, I, I you know, I, I was uh, pretty you know, content with what I did. I worked as an economist and then I worked uh, in um, high tech and, and in business development and it, it seemed all good but then I had and this is more than 20 years ago and I grew up in Israel so uh, this was back there and I had the, uh, the chance uh, to uh, take a position uh, in the government and I started working on issues that are more people-oriented mm -hmm. uh, and are looking into really how to, um, to support uh, many humanitarian issues that, that required some, uh, some more careful attention. Uh, and, and that was what, uh, was what I was uh, hired for. And, and anyway, for me, it, it got me to think about, you know, how can I... Uh, make more impact in my work mm -hmm. and at the same time I also started you know uh, getting more interested in uh, sustainability issues uh, back then at the, the end of the 90s uh, so, so there wasn't you know one uh, you know one thing or one book I think that this was more process so getting more interested in, in really and involved in involved in 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 work that actually you know helps people and and getting more interested in in environmental challenges brought me to you know to take a step backward and, and say to myself okay i want to make sure you know that whatever i do with my life i uh you know it's actually you know I, i'm creating an impact or greater impact that i would have you know working just with numbers uh and so this led me to uh starting um a journey that continues uh to uh to this day where basically i'm 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 you know i'm trying to you know I'm, one thing that has led me from the the, the get-go was figuring out you know how do we make sustainability work 
Uh, and that's the question that they still struggle with. And so I started as an entrepreneur, actually, you know, bringing uh, together my uh, growing passion to sustainability and, and also uh, my, my business skills. And, and I started, uh, I co uh, founded uh, a startup in eco fashion. Uh, oh, wow, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, you know, it, it was about the goal was to produce fashionable jeans that are made of hemp. Uh, I'm a big hemp fan. And, Me too. And, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, back then, it, it was really difficult to find really, I mean, good, you know, uh, high quality jeans that are also uh, made from hemp. It's, it's still difficult today, but, you know, 15 years ago, it, it was even harder. And so that that was the goal eventually it didn't work that well i mean that the uh you know the the timing wasn't right and i moved to uh starting another um another startup equilibris that worked in the the publishing industry to try and figure how to you know to uh make uh books more sustainable and we worked with publishers and, and bookstores and so forth what and, year and was that what what year was the that startup because I know I reached out to that group when I was in, when I was, I don't know what year it was, but I, I have been aware of them. I guess it was you. <laughs> I, didn't, well, I didn't realize that. That's wild. <laughs> when was that startup? Yeah, that, that was about 12 years ago or so uh, we started. Okay. Yeah. And, and it could, I mean, we worked with, you know, many people and the idea was really back then to uh, increase the awareness. We had also tree planting programs uh, around oh, the man. world, and and we uh, encourage people to uh, plant a tree for every book you yep. uh, publish, read, uh, and and at the same time work with you know uh, trying to to get a better understanding how to improve the production processes and so forth. So uh, yeah, this was very exciting and. Um, you know, I love reading as well. So <laughs> yeah, no, that was, um, I definitely knew about this because there were people at my university that were like, have you heard of this? This is a cool because now I don't feel bad publishing all these papers and writing my book now because I can attach myself to this or, and I, and I remember, I don't think I actually reached out, but I remember doing a lot of like homework on it going, okay, how do I do this? And it, <laughs> It actually, you know, I learned, I learned a bunch from it. So that's wild. It's like the, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, we were connected right. and we didn't even know about it, I guess. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's great. So yeah. Then, then we were secretly connected. Yes. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, that, that, that's great. So I, I mean, to make a long story short, I started doing, I started getting more interested in again, how do we make sustainability work? And and got into more research and writing. I started writing on different outlets, uh, newspapers, and and um, and uh, digital uh, outlets. Um, and and getting more and more involved into it, I got into and then I got also into uh, teaching first at the University of Delaware and then CUNY and and then also eventually at, at, at Parsons and there, um, I mean, as, as part of the process, I started, you know, uh, off getting more into the, the you know, again, <laughs> talking about the dark matter, right? Digging deeper, I started, you know, to, I, I you know, I, I found the, the, the really the, uh, the value of uh, using design tools and design thinking to help, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, get more serious about uh, uh, sustainability and, and really how do we uh, try to, to, uh, to move beyond, you know, just the, the very incremental uh, work that, that was uh, done back then and, and going, I mean, eventually we'll get also to the book is, is unfortunately still very much of the, the, the current approach, but the idea was really to, to for me, it was about really understanding how the, the, uh, it was using thinking about design as, as a new dimension, new lenses, right, that I, I use and they could help me, you know, almost like, you know, some sort of a superpower in, in my work and, and, and thinking about what I do. 
Well, you'll be happy to know that I was once also an economics major until I found design. So I'm wondering how and when you um, started to embrace like design, design thinking in, in your work, because it sounded like you were really on that uh, business track for a long time. Right. And, and part of it was the, the work as an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. the, the uh, you know, there it was very much, you know, about uh, getting the, the, then it was more, you know, uh, thinking about, you know, the, the matter, seeing that the importance of, you know, of design in terms of um, the, the, how do we, you know, how do we create, um, how do we create solutions that people actually are interested in, right? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that, you know, we are um, getting to that right sweet spot in terms of desirability, uh, feasibility, and, and, uh, and viability? This was also about learning, you know, some of the, the really the, the qualities of uh, taking a more iterative approach. Uh, and and the, that was, you know, also in terms of just getting to, to understand what does it mean to, to fail and, and, and so forth. And eventually it also led me to, to really to think about more deeply about the need in, in a more human-centered approach, right? And what a more human-centered design uh, along with a co taking a more co-creative approach could could uh, lead into I I started in a way from really a more I mean and that goes to to my to to my education from a more commercial perspective right how do we use design again to to create better products and I slowly but surely shifted to to think about how do we create design to basically to, to improve our well-being, to ensure mm -hmm. that, you know, we have a future. Yeah, it sounds like you went on a, a pretty big evolution then. It seems like that's the best. You didn't say you had like an epiphany, but I believe that you had an evolution. Like you gradually came to where you are now through, through your work. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, Parsons played a big role in it. That, you know, the, the, the environment, right? that I was part of uh, was, you know, very much about how do we challenge the status quo, right? Mm -hmm. How do we use design? How do we use creativity uh, to, to challenge uh, the, the, what is going on around us to try and, and, and look at how do we fix dysfunctional systems that are all around us? Uh, how do we think, in, again, in, in, in deeper ways and recognize that it's not just about design, it's not just about, you know, creating uh, beautiful products or uh, better services, but also about issues of uh, social justice and, and equity mm -hmm. and so forth. That, I mean, for me, part of my trajectory was also, um, it, it led me to, to really to uh, focus on the sharing economy for many years. Yeah. This was my focus of my research and work. And, and the idea was the, this thinking at least five, six years ago that this could be a vision for a better future, right? This could be a pathway to think about, okay, well, what's a sustainable future could actually look like? And, and it was very excited to think about, okay, here's a great way for us to, to envision a way to, to move forward uh, in, in, and not just thinking on, on the, 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 the commercial perspective, uh, um, right? And, and, and opportunities, but also how do we do it in a way that is better for the environment and to, to society? Well, you wrote a book and uh, I have not read your book. I'm, I'm waiting for it to arrive on my doorstep. So one day, one day I'll be able to read that. Uh, I also wrote a book and I'm not sure why I did. But I'm wondering uh, what brought you to write your book, and, and maybe you can share with us what your book is about. Definitely. So, the I mean, I, I, I was talking about sharing economy. For me, it was eventually a big disappointment, and, and it was eventually just about, again, how do we create better services, but it turned out to be very ex exploitative and not the, the, the rosy future that I had and many others in, in mind. And so yeah. when, and that frustration, I think for me was also uh, in, not just in terms of specifically the sharing economy, but it started to be 
very much about how sustainability is applied in in businesses and how overall what what's the what's the approach that the business world right with its power with its ability to to make a difference right how it approaches its own environmental and and social impact and in around 2018 or so with the growing understanding of the the urgency of the climate crisis I started you know focusing more and more and on on the challenges right on, on the context of the climate crisis and it became to me very clear right that there's a growing gap between what what this crisis uh, tells us right what it Uh, shows us that we need to do and how uh, especially business is uh, what is business is doing so uh, that frustration eventually led me to to say okay I, I need to sit down and I want to lay out what I think that the problem is and how do we approach it how do we move away from uh, what I see mm-hmm. right what an alternative could look like and how do we make it work and, and that led me to eventually to to sit down and write the book uh, rethinking corporate sustainability in the era of climate crisis a, a strategic design approach yeah that that title really interested me and the big reason why I asked you to come on was was this uh, and a little bit of a selfish reason but but also I think it's useful for people who are listening to this because I've always wondered um, As you're teaching as you're in the classroom sustainability as a theory you can put it into practice and then the big question is how do you actually go and do this in the world right you you graduate as a student and you're interested in this and I've heard so many students tell me this that now what do I do like what if the place I work doesn't embrace these values and gosh how do you address that that's that's a tough one and uh, I'm always curious about you What other people say about it does this come up for you at all and I'm sure you're a little bit more well-versed in it than I am so <laughs> no I mean first I have to say I was also selfish I mean in a way I, I teach a course in our graduate program in strategic design management that is called uh, sustainable business models and for mm-hmm. me it was it was this is the book that I never had right, right. so I, I wrote a book that could be uh you know also <laughs> valuable and and could be used in 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 this course as, as well as in others but for me it was really uh that uh, w- one small incentive um yeah i mean uh in a way i mean this book in a sense is an academic book but mm-hmm. i also try to make it accessible right i i saw it really as as a way i s- thought about my work as building a bridge between Uh, a couple of bridges there. One bridge is between really the, the, the more academic uh, theory background and practicality. And the other bridge is really between radical thinking and uh, again, more, more you know the, the, the practicality or the, the messiness right of the day-to-day work uh, that uh, practitioners have to, to deal with. So, trying really to make sure that I have uh, the tension right between uh, these elements in mind. Uh, and, and I hope that eventually um, has generated a, a, a book that, that could be helpful on, on both ends of the spectrum, the, the academic and, and the practical. However, I would say, you know, as, as I, I see it also with sometimes with On, on our end right we always rush to, to the solution right and, and we want it really to make it easy and, and make it digestible right give me the, the five hows right <laughs> how what do I do uh, what do I do tomorrow right what what do I um, uh, you know uh, what what can I do this is important but mm-hmm. what I try I think and that's part again I think that's also I mean the, the part of the taking a strategic design approach, You need to lay out the foundations mm-hmm. if you don't have the right foundations the 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 five houses that you know that you may end up with you know will be meaningless can you can you go into more detail about these five houses <laughs> so you, you you want to to jump to to the end so 
I mean, one thing <laughs> I'm, I'm giving away, maybe the, the, it's a spoiler alert for your book, right? You, you have to read my book. To get, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I mean, so, so I'll just give maybe two sentences uh, to, sure. to, to, to give the, the, some context. I mean, one thing that they talk about is really about in, in the, the first part of the book is about what I call sustainability as usual, how businesses have adopted sustainability. It became a norm, but it's still very much grounded in uh, shareholder capitalism. It's still very much grounded in, uh, in uh, first and foremost, uh, profit maximization. Right. And so, and, and that evolves, I think, and, and I share how it, it, it is reflected in, for example, uh, circular economy, which is also, you know, uh, a very, you know, uh, everyone likes the, the circular economy because it's yeah. kind of a win-win. But what I try to show is that there's also the danger there that we're, you know, we're taking it to a very incremental place if we come with a mindset, right, with the mental model of, of sustainability as usual. And, and what I, I talk about in the second part of the book is really about an alternative vision that I, I, uh, I present that they call awakened sustainability, which is really about uh, putting sustainability first and, and changing the power dynamics between sustainability and, and profit. Uh, maximization. And so this is all great, but the question is, how do we get there? And, and part of uh, what I present is a theory of change, right? I, and and I, I won't get into all the, the complexities of it, but it goes really to the question of how do we change the, the mindset, the mental model in, in business. And that brings me to uh, thinking about the uh, stories, right? And yeah. in a way, uh, narratives and and in a way it's great because it it kind of I mean talking about circular economy right it it closes the the loop because I I start the book by saying that you know what what they actually want is to write a new story mm -hmm. right because I mean when, when you think about it I mean and and I I this is again I'm I'm stealing from uh, another uh, uh, Israeli uh, scholar here in this case Yuval Noah Harari. <laughs> who is talking in his book, Sapiens, right? About the, the fact that, uh, you know, that companies are nothing but, but the story. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and if, if you think about it, right, or, or as you call it, right, it's, it's basically, it's imagined reality. So much of everything around us is imagined reality. It's just a yeah. story, right? Money is a story. Uh, you know, religion is a story. Uh, capitalism is a story. Design is a story, right? So in a sense, right, we also developed within the story of, of, of you know, companies, we developed uh, a, a story of, of sustainability in, in business. And what I am trying in this book is basically to, to, to tell a, a new story, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to try to, to really to make it compelling enough so, so we could eventually, hopefully it will, could lead to, to really to, to, you know, to, um, to uh, becoming, uh, you know, a more uh, dominant story and hopefully one that, that could help us uh, move to uh, a more desired future. So that, that's, you know, that's just the, the, the context. I hope it, it wasn't too long, but. Uh... No, I like that. Let's, let's tell a new story, right? I yeah. like the idea, the sustainability story, and, and it's not the same as the old one, right? Well, let's take a, a quick break here for some commercial messages. And when we come back, we'll talk more about these sustainability narratives for business and what you think um, is missing from design education in this climate crisis. Most of us know what we need to do to help the planet, like more solar, trees and more bicycles. But even the best of us can get pretty stuck with figuring out how we motivate and inspire millions of people and governments around the world to adopt change. But there is a way. My name is Katie Patrick. I'm an environmental engineer, a designer, and an author. And I interview expert PhD researchers from top universities around the world, like MIT, Harvard, and Stanford, about the psychology of environmental action. And I put these interviews out on my podcast called How to Save the World. 
I'm inviting you to join me on this wild intellectual journey into the heart of the environmental psyche so that we can unearth these fascinating and critical teachings we can use in our climate campaigns, programs, designs, and startups. You can find my podcast, How to Save the World, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and at anchor.fm forward slash Katie Patrick. So Roz, you write and, and teach about sustainability narratives for business. And, and I read your, I guess it's rather recent Medium article uh, about this. And you, you mentioned this term, um, narratives. And it ties back into what you just said. It's about a story. Everything's a story. So can you elaborate more on the idea of what you call this uh, narrative war and narrative warriors from this Medium article and, and maybe give us an example of each? Right. And, and the, the point that I'm trying to make is, again, in that when we think about, right, how do we change uh, a mental model, right? We, this brings us to, to stories. And um, this is, uh, you know, the, the thinking that eventually, you know, stories shape our mental models, which eventually shape, you know, how we see the world and how we act on it, right? So, uh, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that to, to, to win the battle for climate change, you need first to, to, to win the battle of, of narratives and, and just look around you, you know, the, the, the narrative war is basically hmm. on everything around you, right? It is. COVID, vaccinations, climate change. Uh, it's, you know, uh, of course, you know, in, in politics, but everything, right? There, there are, you know, uh, narratives that are, you know, fighting against one another, trying to, to, you know, to, um, to basically to claim dominance, right, mm -hmm. and, and and to to ensure that, right, they are, you know, that they're, you know, they're they're shaping how people, uh, you know, think about uh, everything that they they see and eventually do, and and so um, what I'm saying that. This is, I mean, when it comes to climate, there is no, I mean, it is uh, basically the same. So the, the one thing is to, to recognize that we're in a narrative war and, and to ask ourselves, right, how do we create uh, new narratives that are meaningful, that are empowering, that are really centered around well-being and also, you know, trying to, to uh, ensure that, uh, you know, they create impact in the present, not just uh, in the future. And so... And, and I talk more in, in this article, but also, I mean, in, in, in the book about the, the need to, uh, you know, to, to think about how to uh, apply these, these narratives, right, and, 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 to, um, and, and to try to, 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 to push them further to, to, to allow them to, again, assume uh, dominance. So, so maybe I, I can give... Um, you know, one example. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I. I mean, I, I'll start with you know just you know uh, a, a more general example. I mean, I think that for example, the Green New Deal is is a great example of of a new narrative, right? Because it talks really tries to to uh, reframe uh, the 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 fight over climate change in terms of good jobs and the livable future. I mean. These are two things that we can all relate to. These are two things that, you know, are, you know, meaningful for everyone. They're, you know, they're empowering, you know, they could, you know, they could, you know, they, they help, you know, make sense. And, and, and they're also, you know, they're bringing, you know, not just the urgency, but also provide you with agency. And that's critical. Now in, in maybe in more business terms, right. I think about, uh, the the notion right of um, maybe I'll I'll give two examples. So one is is thinking about overconsumption, right? Uh, when right now, right, there's you know the more dominant door narrative is maybe is perhaps that overconsumption is not necessarily a problem, but you know it's just uh, an integral part of a legitimate business model, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why we have fast fashion, right? Or this is why you know, we have uh, companies that apply uh, planned obsolescence and sell us uh, a new iPhone every year and so forth, right? And 
a new narrative that I would like to see, um, you know, taking place is one that is actually considering overconsumption as a serious uh, societal problem. Uh, problem with dire consequences for uh for humanity right that that's that's a very different uh approach so in a way the fight is right how do i take the the current um the current narrative that right now it's the more you know mainstream narrative and i make it weaker how do i invalidate this narrative right and i push a different narrative that It's really first and foremost about being aligned with ecological boundaries and societal uh, foundations, right? And I think that that's critical. We need to redesign right businesses in accordance with ecological boundaries and societal foundations, right to, to again to, to make sure that we're in the, the right direction. but that requires us to start telling different stories right that mm-hmm. are aligned with this approach. Do you find in your own personal just research or just reading the news do you see do you see that transition happening with businesses as you said um, changing their stories within the boundaries of, of of our ecological systems or or not yeah I mean I, I see so there are these you know what there you know there are some examples of what they call narrative warriors right and I think that narrative warriors could be individuals right mm-hmm. that have a role to play uh, for example some people that are what they call norm I mean I it's not my term but I, I use it uh, norm entrepreneurs right people that are challenging current social uh, social norms and are trying to to push for new norms and you can see it For example with people that are challenging you know our thinking about um, the the fashion industry or our thinking about uh, sustainability consulting or about uh, you know sustainable investing really trying to to bring some you know honesty and rigor to to the conversation and 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 there are changing the, the conversation from a company's point of view I would say that um, I like the the work for example of Salesforce and that is trying really to uh, become what I call to or to apply an approach that is amplifying innovation what it means is basically that you don't think what happens within your four walls but you're trying to amplify your influence beyond that so they are working uh, for example to uh, make sure that all of their suppliers are you Uh, adopting a science-based target meaning that they're um, committing to reduce their carbon emissions in accordance with the Paris agreement goals right mm-hmm. so that they're you know this is not about you know just hey could you please do it but this is about having uh, a you know they're adding a, a new clause to the the uh, to the contracts that they sign on basically oh. saying you know you have to do it Or otherwise you'll be fine and that's a very different um, approach um, but yeah definitely <laughs> especially yeah. in the US right <laughs> totally and and but you know it's also I would say one of the things that they talk about in the book is that changes will happen I mean some of the key levers are external to to companies right and I think that the This goes back to the dark matter right regulation policy making is is part of it and uh, so uh, for example uh, you know uh, only uh, this week uh, the, the French government announced that starting uh, in January 2022 it's going to ban uh, plastic packaging uh, in vegetables and fruits Wow yeah and I didn't read that that's that's good news it is. And that's a game changer right and and I think that you know again it changes the environment now right there are new constraints that you need to work with right to 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 redesign the you know um, basically uh, supermarkets and 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 food retailers and 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 so forth right so one thing you know in in a way right that it goes to to you know what Bucky Fuller was talking about you know decades ago right? that it's easier you know to don't focus on changing the, the person 
change the, the, the environment in which that person operates yeah. uh, to, to help, you know, that change happen. I totally agree with that. And the, the packaging, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I worked in packaging for a couple of years and it was an international company and they had to, um, they, it was cheaper for them to design one package for every country, not just a country gets its own packaging. So I'm hoping that French law and maybe future EU laws there will impact here in the US because the US companies that want to sell there, they have to abide by those laws and they'll just change because the system is what it is there. The system will change here. I, I, that's my hope. I've always hoped for that. So, <laughs> right. And, uh, and if I may, so I, I'll give you the, the, the exact opposite, right? Which I think is, is one of the, my favorite examples for sustainability as usual. So Heinz came, uh, came up uh, earlier this year with, you know, this very exciting announcement that they actually, uh, they, they, um, they succeeded in making their ketchup bottle uh, cap uh, recyclable, which apparently was, you know, a big issue. And they said that, you know, it was the, the, the result of an eight-year uh, effort that, you know, they put 185,000 uh, hours of work into it. And, and it was only an announcement. And I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, this is crazy because, you know, <laughs> yes, it could, you know, it could help uh, potentially, you know, prevent, you know, one billion caps from, you know, from, uh, from eventually reaching landfill. But again, this is not, we're not asking the right question. Yeah. The question is not how do we write, uh, how do we uh, make sure that these caps won't get to the landfill? But, you know, maybe we need to ask, you know, how, why do we need uh, single-use bottles in the first place? Exactly. Exactly, right. So that, that's actually a good, good um, transition for uh, my last couple of questions for you. Um, that's a design problem, right? Um, and so I'm wondering what your vision is for um, design education and uh, because we're in this, we're in, a, we're in a climate crisis, we're in a number of other crises too. Um, what's your vision for design education and, and uh, what's missing right now to get there? Yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's a great question. And, and I think about it often. I, I think that designers could be uh, a very powerful force uh, and, and could be uh, really, you know, uh, any, a key driver of, of the changes that we want to see. But in order to do that, I think we, we need to see a change uh, on many levels. One of them is on the educational level. I would like to see the, uh, you know, the key or the, the, the key issues that, you know, are uh, related to the, the, the climate crisis. I want to see them uh, embedded in uh, our, you know, in our uh, education system. And, and that actually, you know, goes beyond, you know, just, you know, design school. I think that that should start, you know, with, you know, the, the, the K to 12 uh, system, but, you know, speaking on, you know, my own backyard, right. I would like, uh, you know, to, to, um, to, to, to see a design for climate uh, or design for climate crisis. I think also the language here should, should be more clear. Design for Climate Crisis uh, course that will be part of the, the curriculum of every uh, first year undergraduate student, uh, just to, to make sure that, uh, you know, we bring in, and, and I think it, it, it's important to bring in, again, that holistic approach that looks about not just how do we, right, how do we think about the, the environmental challenges, but also how do we think about the, the societal consequences how do we bring, you know, uh, equity and social justice and inclusion into the conversation? And then I would like to, to see it also um, something that we, uh, you know, that we push to see in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, projects, in terms of uh, portfolios, in terms of, you know, the, the work that, you know, we, we already just, I mean, to, to, to give you maybe a small example, right, in, in that course that I'm teaching, uh, Sustainable Business Models, right, one of the, the, 
you know, one of the, the, the we have a course project and one of the criteria that we, uh, we added was really to, for the students to think not just how they develop a sustainable business model, but how they develop a sustainable business model that goes beyond sustainability as usual. And that, uh-huh. in a way, it, it creates a very different brief. And I want to see, you know, again, that, that level of change uh, integrated in, in every course, I mean, in, in every type of work that we do. You got me really excited there because uh, my, my actual, my, my program that I'm in at my university is rethinking our undergraduate. Uh, we do this, I seem like every five, six years, uh, which is good. It's a living document, right? Uh, our undergraduate curriculum, and they're looking for some proposals before we meet. And I was thinking, I'm going to write a proposal for design in the climate crisis course. And now I have um, backup, right? I can say, well, Roz, Roz has it too. And he's over, you know, he's going to do it. So (laughs) it'll be my support system here to help. (laughs) And, and yeah, and I hope, I mean, that, is also going to be again part of the you know a more collaborative effort. I think that we need also the design community overall. I mean, in terms of the you know the where the energy goes to, right? That's always Agreed. a question, and I think yeah. that that needs to be uh, also seen in conferences, in journals, uh, in projects that we do with communities and so forth. I think that that should this should be. Uh, you know, an effort across, uh, you know, um, stakeholders and, and universities. Everywhere. So I, if, if you're listening to this show and you are thinking about your undergraduate and graduate curriculum, this, let's, let's, let's talk more about this. Let's get this going at every university, not just, <laughs> not just a handful. Right. Uh, so the last question I have for you, Roz, is when I ask everyone is um, if you, uh, if you were asked to teach your, your dream course, you know, maybe it is uh, designing in the climate crisis course, but I'm interested to know what, what would your dream course be and, and how would you structure it? What would it be? Yeah, my dream course. Um, I, um, I would like to actually, my, my, my dream course is, is, you know, is about, you know, taking um, a course that, um, already doing and doing it in different environments, right? I want to, my dream course would be to um, take, uh, for example, one of my, my favorite uh, courses is sustainable business models, how to design sustainable business models. But uh, my dream is always about, you know, bringing it to, to new environments. I want to, um, I want to teach it uh, I want to teach it in refugee camps. I want mm. to teach it in, uh, you know, in um, community centers. I want to, to teach it in, uh-huh. in an environment where, you know, we can, you know, connect students with uh, a very different environment from the one that they know. And I think that, you know, that, you know, level of, of uh, challenge uh, would be very different when you have that, that, sort of you know a new environment injected into it so for me again beyond what i talked about you know the design for the climate crisis which is also one thing that i'm, I'm passionate about just you know think about again uh, i'll also end with the dark matter right mm-hmm. if the course itself is the matter i'm thinking about how do i change how do i redesign the dark matter what a fantastic answer i love that um taking it to um, an audience that doesn't have the access that uh, you and I have to to this information. I, fantastic, thank you, Roz. Uh, we're out of time. It was it was a great conversation. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Um, before we leave, um, tell tell us the name of your book again and and where we can find you online. Thank you. So the name of the book is Rethinking. Corporate sustainability in the era of climate crisis, and uh, you can follow me on uh, Medium, where I uh, publish an article about every month or so. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. So just uh, you know, look for 
Godelnik or Raz Godelnik there and uh, feel free also to uh, reach me there. Look forward to uh, hearing from all of you and thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. It's been a great, great 50 or so minutes. Thanks for tuning in today to Climify, but don't leave just yet. I've got more goodness for you coming up. Music. As the pandemic has really affected our friends in the performing arts, where they're unable to book shows, tour, or sometimes even get into a recording studio, I thought I'd highlight one at the end of each of our episodes. Since this is a podcast for designers, the musicians featured on each are also designers. Well, I'll turn it over to our first artist to explain who they are and the reasons behind their music. Hi, my name is Tim Lillis. I've been playing music in some form or another since I was a kid. Most recently, the forum has taken beat making. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I knew I wanted to have some kind of musical outlet, and I got myself an MPC, which is a sort of a sampler sequencer. Um, you know, I've been enjoying it because even though it's a piece of electronic music equipment, it doesn't require using it with a computer, so I can be kind of untethered, go anywhere. Um, I've been using samples, found sounds, as well as classic drum and other instrument sounds to make beats. They're still evolving, uh, but you can hear what I'm doing at soundcloud.com slash narwhalstreet. Uh, that's N-A-R-W-H-A-L-S-T-R-E-E-T.
Thanks for listening to Climify. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To catch all the latest on Climify, you can follow us on Instagram at Climify Podcast. Climify is part of Climate Designers. Learn more at climatedesigners.org slash edu.